Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm not bad. Uh, uh, and in part, uh, the reason why I, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good um, is that um, uh, this episode okay, gets to respond to a question I receive all the time. And what is that question, Nia? Where does law come from? <gasps> Where does law come from? All right. Yeah, but, in- but can I can I ask you a question? Sure. So you're going to talk about civil law, and you're going to talk about criminal law, and you're going to talk about common law, and you're going to talk about all those kinds of things. Yes. If we make this podcast long enough, are we common law podcast married? (laughs) (laughs) uh, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Yeah, because uh, you're you're now one of my longest relationships. I'm just saying. (laughs) So what Nia's referring to is that um, uh, and Nia and I both grew up in states that actually recognize um, a type of marriage, uh, common law marriage, right? Okay, um, and and we will circle back around to that a little bit later <laughs> on, because today's episode is about British common law, right? right. Where uh, the United States gets it, its law, like we didn't just form a government, so we don't have 1887. Wait. 1787? 1787. Thank you. I got my dates all wrong there. 1787, poof, constitution. Oh, and by the way, here's all of our laws. Like yeah, we, did, I mean, we were not – we did not have a lawless state prior to that because – No, because – Because we have always been under British common law, haven't we? Yeah, I mean when the colonies – Except for Louisiana, which we can't talk about. <clears throat> well, well, we'll actually briefly touch touch upon Louisiana <laughs> Anytime you talk about uh, talk about origins <laughs> of law in the United States, you need to touch upon Louisiana simply because they are an outlier. Which, Fifty plus one. Yeah, which you know, right. and if you're and if if you ever interact with somebody from Louisiana, they wear that as a a a, a badge of, of pride, right? Yeah. Okay, it's, lunatics. We love just, them. Yeah, yes. great food, but they're lunatics. Yeah, okay, um, but, but even Puerto so, Rico is under regular law, and then you got Louisiana, who's like, no, we don't think so. So we, yeah, right, okay. So it's so, fifty plus one. Okay, um, but so, where does it begin? Okay, so the colonies, okay, uh, in the United States, um, were created legally because of charters, which are basically contracts from the British Crown. And right, to various religious, generally speaking, to various religious groups, right? Yes. A group so, of Quakers would say, we want this chunk of Pennsylvania. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the Baptists in South Carolina and, you know, the, you know, the, uh, you, you got the, uh, you got the Calvins up in, you know, the Calvinists up in Massachusetts and, you know. And it, that's because they the, were the looking Catholic- to get out of England and away from the religious, Church of England. Yeah, the religious and, persecution. Okay. Right. They, so, they were looking for a new space. As an element of each of these charters, the colonies had to follow British law. Well, I'm not surprised by that. Okay, so what was British law, right? 
it's known this law at that point would have been a common understanding. Yeah, and it's known as uh, common law, right? So basically, most nations today, Nia, follow one of two major legal traditions, either common law or civil law. Common law arose in England during the Middle Ages, and not surprisingly, got spread around the world in British By the colonies. empire upon which <laughs> yes. the sun never sets. Yes. I mean, at one point, England pretty mm. much owned the globe. Like yeah. It was a... yeah, it had colonies spread around the world, okay? Right. When you think about the Commonwealth and the Commonwealth nations, even yeah. now, you're talking about a global enterprise. Yeah. I mean, whether it had been in Asia or Africa or the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, they were I everywhere. Mean, Fingers were in every pie. In contrast, you have civil law, and civil law developed in continental uh, Europe at roughly the same time, and civil law gets spread because of the French. Ah, Spain and Portugal primarily, but a little bit of the French, right? Okay, Spain and Portugal, big colonizing countries. Big colonizing countries, all right? All right, so what is common law? Okay, common law is generally uncodified. Not written down. It's not written down, okay? There's no comprehensive, if you will, a compiling of legal rules and statutes, okay? So that would go by precedent then. Yes. What's been decided before yes. generally leads what comes after. That's right. So how do you know what the law is? Because of court rulings, which establish a precedent, okay? And these rulings are then applied in the future to similar cases. So if many Americans- That is exactly what we have. Yes, because if you think about the Supreme Court, okay- well, and every almost every legislative law that we have comes out of a ruling nobody liked, and so they change. <laughs> That's right. They, they okay. make a law. Okay, so we have a little bit of written law. So we have a little bit of civil law because ah, we have the code, yes, right? Yes, and, and And this is where, again, the United States um, uh, in, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, Nia, is a really good example of how you know, yes, our framers, you could say, were were bright and smart and geniuses, etc. But they picked and chose from the the buffet of what existed, right? Because in addition to the well, influence in true of enlightenment in, in form, reform, you know, you take the best of every, every yes, system uh, that you come across. We'll you, take a little bit of from column A and a little bit from column B and a little B, bit from column C, and we will have a lovely dinner. Yes. Okay. So this is people who eat chow mein with their tacos. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, you know, and if you think about it, okay, Nia, we have a mixture in the United States of both common law, but also civil law because civil law is codified. Okay. It's, it's rules written down, down. It's rules written down. So this idea that legislative bodies can pass laws that's taken from the civil law tradition that you saw in continental Europe. Because again, that was one of the main distinctions between England and the, the rival 
colonial powers in continental Europe, right? Okay. Okay. And and again, it got kind of sort of that petty, you know, because, you know, we're different in England. Yeah, well, you guys are weirdos in England. We're going to actually have (laughs) written laws. No, they didn't say weirdos, but nevertheless, right? right? And the Romans had written laws. (laughs) Yes, Romans definitely had written laws, right? So let's talk about some other differences between common law and civil law, right? Okay. Now, in common law, common law typically functions as an adversarial system. So you see this in both the United States and in Great Britain and in Canada and many of the former British colonies. What do you mean by adversarial system? You basically have two opposing parties in front of a judge who moderates, right? Right, and each side argues. And you have to convince. And each side argues their points. Points. And they use whatever persuasive means they have, have, common sense and previous, yes, previous rulings rulings and and all kinds of stuff. And until and and then the judge says, "Aha!" or the jury in the case of the United States. States. Well, even in 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 England, you still have juries, right? Okay. Okay. But it's a jury of ordinary. I've never been sued in England, so So, okay, yeah, right. But you have a jury of ordinary people. And the ordinary people are supposed to act as a check on the system, right? Right. Because the you know the jury goes ahead and says, you know, I think uh, the prosecution was more persuasive, or I think the defense was, or um, you know, whatever the case may be. Which juries are supposed to decide whether you've done something beyond a reasonable doubt. Doubt. Yeah, that's like, right. Would the word you get reasonable there is what do twelve people consider to be to be reasonable? Reasonable, and yes. you do twelve rather than two, because twelve gives you a lot more perspective. Yeah, you're supposed to persuade the collective, not necessarily just one or two people. Exactly. Civil law, as we've already mentioned, is written down. It's codified, right? And their legal systems, their legal codes get updated all the time, right? And this is, again, a feature that you see in the United States. We're going to discuss this a little bit later on uh, uh, this spring um, about in civil civil legal systems, the body of law, the, the code is supposed to be updated. <laughs> Frequently they aren't, but nevertheless, right? The code establishes what is or is not acceptable behavior. So we've taken an element of the civil law system and we've applied it to our common law, if you will, tradition, because we see this in the United States. The federal government has a whole bunch of laws. States have a whole bunch of laws. Local governments have a whole bunch of laws, and they're all written down. Okay? Right, which is why they will say to you in a court of law, ignorance is no defense before the law. law. That's right. Because they're written down. You could go look. Yes. But unlike in common law, which is adversarial, in a civil law system, the judge, okay, not only acts like the judge as we know it here in the United States, but in a true civil law system, the judge actually establishes the facts of the case and then applies the relevant code to the facts. 
So the judge. There's a name for that in in Australia and and uh, England. The the it's an inquiry of a specific kind that the judge does, where the judge subpoena subpoenas people and gathers evidence and okay okay. and you see this more in civil law systems okay because it's not an adversarial system it's known as an an investigative investigative system okay Okay. um they have so much trust in their government officials that they give both the judge and prosecutorial role to one person Okay, right. Which because is weird. They, we wouldn't do that because we don't. Yeah, we we think we, the more people involved in this, the better. Yes, the better, the more likely a just outcome if we involve a, a, a large number of people, relatively speaking, into a court case. That's right, and in the civil system, the that's assumption- why we also have wide open evidence laws in the United States in terms of yes, what you can bring in to show. Yes, I mean, you know, for both sides, right? Like we try to bring in as much evidence as we can so the jury has as full a picture of what's happened as possible so that they can hopefully bring about the best justice. And there's, and that's why so many of the motions in the common law system in front of a judge are about what is or is not relevant evidence, right? I'm so glad you you brought that up. Can I bring up a a quick thing? Yeah. yeah. So we have so we have these things called the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure and yes. the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure. Yeah. If you ever wonder how who made the rules about how the court works, like how legal cases can be prosecuted, those are the rules for that. Yes, there are it, rules specifically about things like you can't just slander mm-mm. the the defendant in court. You can't just say because this person is ugly and stupid they probably committed this crime, right? Like that's not and because they're in the code, they are created by Congress, right? A large body of theoretically <laughs> yes. representative people. That's right. Who would say, no, 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 you can't bring that in. You can't bring in hearsay. That's one of my favorite things is I I overheard in a bar this guy saying this about this other person. Okay, well, that's hearsay. Like he could have been saying anything about anybody. That's not that's not illegal. And the hearsay rule is first taken from precedent, but then is put (laughs) into the code by the legislature. Right. And this is yet another example of how we have mixed, combined the common law, okay? So we've taken uh, a common law concept, you know, the rule of hearsay, okay? Or more precisely, the rule prohibiting hearsay. And now we've codified it. So it's in the rules of the court. It's in the rules of the court. So what happens whenever you are watching a television show or a movie and the other person objects, they are objecting based on the rules, uh, the rules of civil procedure or the rules of criminal criminal procedure. procedure. That's right. Which means that lawyers, you don't have to know anything else except you got to know those. You have to be able in an instant to process 
that something is not acceptable because if it if it if you don't object it stands even if it was not an acceptable thing to do if you don't object it and still if you stands. don't know those rules you can't give good advice to your clients right because you're going to end up making an argument in a court and a judge is going to say well according to you know section you know blah 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 of the state's you know criminal procedure okay that is unacceptable evidence and you may have gone ahead and set up your entire case defending your client on that Based piece on, of evidence, on that right. evidence. And, and, and again, that's the reason why I tell students who are thinking about law school, I hope you like procedure because you may end up taking a, a class each in crim, crim pro, criminal procedure, or civ pro, civil procedure. <laughs> and they're just like, but I want to go ahead and argue cases. Yes. And you can't yeah. argue cases unless you know. Okay. And by the by, 95% of what you do is not arguing cases. No. Just for those folks who are considering going into law, who are no. listening to this podcast because you're amused by the idea of British common law, I'm just telling you, being a a lawyer, solicitor, attorney, whatever you want to call those individuals, esquire, in the United Counselor States. Counselor of law. Counsel, yes. That's right. 95% of that is paperwork. Yes. You need to understand how to file the right paperwork at the right time with the right person in order to defend or prosecute a case. Right. There, it, it is this whole thing of, you know, the Matlock moment where you accuse, <laughs> right? Like, it, you know, and all this other stuff that happens in the, in the, in movies and TV shows. Yeah. That no, totally yeah. is not how the court. No. Is not how law works. Law no. is hugely about the mechanics. Are we going to be allowed to use this evidence? Are we going to be allowed to use this evidence? Are we going to be allowed to call this person? Right. All these different things before you ever get to the part where you get to actually do those things. That's right. Is, and, is understanding and, whether you're going to be allowed to do those things or not. And, and so that's. And, a, and that's so much of what clients are hiring for is that you have a body of knowledge. Right. And you can navigate the system. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and it's a body of knowledge that is very complicated in the United States because we do have a mixture of both common law precedent. So you know need to know former court rulings in your case that apply to your case. But you also have to know how the code, civil law, also applies to your case. Right. Right. Now, can I ask a question about civil law? Yeah, go ahead. So if civil law, the, the countries or in this case, the state, Louisiana, where civil law is the is the general way that it goes, that is you can only follow what is written in the civil law. Yes. Right. There's no um, judicial. um Judicial precedents don't matter as much or in civil not, uh, freedom or judgment, right? There's yeah, none yeah. of that. There is, I read the law, the law reads in this way, and therefore I will punish in this way. It's pretty, um, it's pretty rigid, isn't it? In civil yeah. law, strict civil law. Yeah. Those countries that developed civil law systems, one of their critiques of British common law was that because, subjective. It, yeah, it was. Because there was so little written down, 
Okay, it was <laughs> it was difficult to establish what was or was not acceptable behavior. So civil law systems end up putting everything into the code. That's why you find so many laws. Okay, so you know so much of the code in civil law systems, so detailed, ponderous, cumbersome, because they try to envision not only all behaviors that are or are not acceptable, but all circumstances that may provide exceptions, right? Ah, okay. It, it is it, never acceptable to spit on the sidewalk, except in the following situations, right? Right. Okay, and that's why, you know, and that's one of the criticisms of civil law systems is that not only are the laws so lengthy, but they have so many sections with exceptions written into them, okay, that again, it requires an attorney simply because most lay people won't be able to read and understand what is or is not acceptable behavior. Does that slow those systems down? Oh my goodness, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and um so if we uh, think the court system in the United States is Byzantine and slow, yeah. it's because we've never we've never tried a case in India or yeah, yeah right. Or, or 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 again if you're going to practice law in or if you're going to practice law in Louisiana, right? Um, not only what you have to know is going to be different than in most of the states, okay? But your body of knowledge potentially is going to be so much greater simply because it is predicated on, you know, the, 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 the civil law system. Um, you know, that's why the Louisiana bar exam is so much different than pretty much the other 49 states in the United States. Well, and in, I imagine being a judge there is a lot harder, too, because well, yeah. you would need it, you would need a vast breadth of knowledge of the law. Yes. Or you would take forever to research a question. Yes. Yep. And come yep. back with an answer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what we have is a mix of those things. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay. Um, and, you know, hey, not everybody's a fan, but it does reflect the fact that the United States. Um, so, so we like some laws written down, <laughs> yeah. but then we want to have some precedent in case we need. So what we are trying to do is have laws, right? The civil, the yeah. civil common law. And or rather the civil law. And then we're trying to have instead of trying to come up with every single exception written into our law, we use common law to make exceptions. Uh yeah, or vice versa. I mean, you know, it, it, it and that's that's the thing about the United States, right? I mean, I've had attorneys who've gone ahead and say um, you know, I'm not going to rely on precedent. I'm going to go ahead and focus on, you know, uh, uh, the law, you know, passed by the legislature. And if you ask them why, and they're like, because one benefits me more than the other. Right. Um, ah, okay. so, I mean, but, is there a, is there a compilation of British laws or British rules or British 
something like we have court reporters and they are yeah. compilations of of various courts rulings in oh. the united states so that you have oh the 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 classic if you will compilation of british common law uh that existed before the united states was created as a country um, was created by um, uh, the well-known British uh, legal theorist William Blackstone. Uh, his commentaries on the laws of in England. Um, Aenea Blackstone still gets cited even today by the United States Supreme Court. Oh yeah, Blackstone's is. Oh yeah, is like the it, it, if you're it, doing historical research into legal questions in in britain you you have to well i mean you have to look about, in there like think about, it's one of those things well think about this um uh listeners uh in 19 or 1922 2022 in the infamous supreme court ruling about the meaning of the second amendment the bruin case right um um uh justice clarence thomas's majority opinion referenced blackstone in his commentaries about a half a dozen times. Really? Okay. okay. And so it's lead, not dead. And in the in the lead dissent, okay. Um uh and I and and and, uh, and I think it was maybe a jointly written dissent of um Sotomayor, Kagan, and Breyer. They also referenced Blackstone, but with different interpretations. Right? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So I mean you can't ignore. So Blackstone is not, as it were, written in stone. Yeah, yeah. Blackstone. I'm not trying not, to make a pun there. But. Yeah, Black Blackstone's not dead. Um, <laughs> yeah, meta. You know, ex existentially, he might be, but never. <laughs> right. Okay. But some people's uh, work lives on. Well, yeah, some people's work lives on. Um, um. Uh. By the way, uh, it's not just Louisiana that has elements of civil law, right? Because you know Louisiana got it from France, uh, uh, from the French and the Spanish, but you also got to remember a big chunk of far southwest United States, okay, um, used to be part of Mexico, and Mexico had been colonized by which European nation? Spain. Spain, and Spain had a huge civil law system, right? Okay. So you see this, for instance, in California. California courts have this weird mix of where they issue decisions that are, you know, rooted in precedent, but it also might be precedent rooted in civil law. Okay. Right? Okay. So, you know, it's not just Louisiana. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Neil what you're telling me is don't be a lawyer. That's your first the first thing you're telling me. <laughs> no. Students yeah, keep, but what, but students, what saying, students but, say that to me all the time. They're like, Augie, I took before I took class with you, I wanted to be a lawyer. Then I took class with you and I don't want to be a lawyer. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I don't teach my classes to direct you into one career or profession or another. I'm just telling you, if you're gonna become a lawyer in the United States, depending on what kind of law you focus on. Okay, your breadth of knowledge may have to be either extremely narrow or 
very broad. Right. Okay. And the other thing is, and all kidding aside, if you're going to be a lawyer, what you have to do is be a person who learns all the time. Yes. You will never achieve, and now I know the law. That's like, correct. That's just yeah. not going to happen. No. So if you're a person who needs to achieve something and have there be an ending, law may not be good for you. Correct. Because it's a constant – it's constantly shifting ground a little bit, at least in the United States. Yes, because – you get this mixture of common and civil. You get – um, you get know, precedent, the which changes all the time, right? Um, Roast roasted till it didn't. I mean, yeah, that's or, or think about, for instance, you practice law in a state, and for decades, if not a century plus, a particular state law has been interpreted a certain way. So you know that's rooted in civil law, right? You have right. a law passed by the state legislature. It's in the state code. But then the state Supreme Court issues a new ruling, a new a, precedent, a new interpretation. interpretation of that law. You're going to have to learn that different now. Right. And if you're unwilling to do that, okay, then being a lawyer might not be the career for you. Right. Because right? – and, and that's where, you know, Nia, what you just said is really relevant, okay? Okay, because you have to keep on learning. Um, You know, you mentioned well, Roe, you know, for, you know, what, 60 years, nearly 60 years, okay, in the United States. It stood more okay. or less unchallenged, more or yeah. less unchallenged. Okay. There were a we, few challenges, but. Uh, okay, but you get a new precedent, the Dobbs case. But now that's requiring civil laws. In all the states. States. Okay. Adjusted, changed, fixed, revisited, not revisited, revisited right? whatever you yeah, want to call it. call it. Okay. Right. So if you are an abortion attorney. Right. Okay, and it's always been this way. Way. Okay, and your practice covers multiple states, right? You now no longer have a single precedent. Okay, it might be you know, you know, different rules, different laws, depending on the state in which your client is operating. And side note, you take bars in different states because the laws are different, and because the way application because applications can be different. Yes. Um, I uh, I have a friend who took the bar, and there's a what they call, I think, a tri-state bar, which is Connecticut, New Jersey, New York. New York, that's right. Because their laws are similar enough Yes. that you can take one for them. But then if you want to do Pennsylvania, that's a different bar. If yes. you want to do North Carolina, that's a different – Virginia, that's a different bar, right? All the different bars. So depending on where you live, you have to go take – the bar in that state. So if you move to a new state, if you move to California, oh, crap, I got to take the California bar. Guess what? You're going to be studying like a crazy person. Yes. Learning to unapply certain things and apply certain things differently. Yes. So that you can pass the bar in that state because they don't want you up trying to apply Connecticut law in California. Yeah. It I mean, won't work. You will lose. Your clients will lose. That's bad service for your client. Yes. Right. In the in 
just as a side note before we wrap up, in the United States, what we are trying to get at with all of our legal system is the most just outcome possible, mm-hmm. which is why even the worst defendants get a really good defense. You don't, if you get Ted Bundy as a client, well, he, he actually represented himself because he's a lawyer, but, but let's say you got, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer as a client, Jeffrey Dahmer ate people, right? Like he was not a good human, but he still under American law deserved the best defense possible. They couldn't just say, yeah, he's pretty bad. Yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. They couldn't say that to the jury. Yes. They had yeah. to say there are these mitigating circumstances, and here's what blah 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 blah. And we bring all this evidence, and yada 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 yada, right? Because they were trying to get him the best. Because in the adversarial system that you talked about at the beginning, both of the adversaries are post, supposed to put up the best case possible. Yes. One of them does not roll over to the other. Like that is not even if they both agree that the client is a scumbag, they don't roll over because that's not how the American system works. We don't we don't remember, do that to people. Nia, to your point, I remember uh reading an interview and I think it was the Washington Post or the New York Times did with the lawyer who represented the Boston Marathon ah. bummer, right? Right. And she was asked um, why she was uh, defending him. And she was trying to get uh, the verdict overturned to where he received the death penalty. And she spoke to that. She spoke to that point to where my job, okay, is to not judge my client, but to force the government, okay, to um uh, explain to a jury why this person should receive the ultimate punishment right that was my job right okay um and, and because death cannot be undone yes right and you know you, you and, need to make a really good case for that and 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 if the government's argument is that justice for the victims of that bombing requires that the perpetrator receive death then my job in our system is to force them okay to convince a jury that this would be the ultimate form of justice right and she says i take that my role seriously right um that's why she's not saying because I love this guy. He's great. I mean, no, she's not, I mean, she, she's not saying that at yeah, all. No, what no, she's no. saying is the government, the government must meet the highest possible standard when you when the death penalty is involved because it is the one thing that cannot be undone. You can you can let people out of prison and give them money and say we're really sorry we shouldn't put you in prison or whatever. You can do all that kind of stuff if somebody's still alive, but once you have put them to death. Yes. And, there's no and, recourse. Like there's nothing else for, I don't know. Yeah, I, and, and, I'm with and, her on that. And we're going to post and on if, our... And if as a lawyer, you can't do that. If you can't pull up, put up the fullest defense of your, of your client, you have to step down, like by the rules of the courts. Yeah. You yeah. have to step down. We're going to put on a research guide, uh, the federal rules of civil procedure and the federal rules of criminal procedure. 
just to go ahead and show you, okay, <laughs> the influence of civil law systems, right? And you need to know these rules if you're going to practice in federal court, because depending on the case, whether it's a civil case or a criminal case, okay, you need to know those rules so you can give your client, if you're representing a defendant, okay, the best defense possible. But you also need to know those rules, okay, to force the government to play by the rules, right? Right. Um, right. You don't it, want them introducing stuff and you letting it happen because you don't know the rule well enough to say, wait, 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 wait. You can't do that. That's right. And you want to make sure that the judge, okay, is overseeing the case appropriately, etc. Right. Right. I mean, so much of the law, okay, is about the process. So, you know, that's why it reads the federal rules of civil procedure. That's why it reads the federal rules of criminal procedure. And, you know, if you're a good attorney, you know these rules. Just like, for instance, if you're a good attorney, um, and this reflects the common law tradition, you know precedent. Right. All right. Or if you don't, you've done a lot of research. <laughs> and by the time you get to the court, yeah. you know a lot of precedent. And you don't have to know it to start with, but you need to know it the day day one. <laughs> yes, right. You need so, to be able to walk into yeah. that courtroom and say, I have a list and I know exactly what we're doing and what we're not doing. Yep. So So um can I can I ask you one one more question? Sure. I know this is a silly question, and you probably don't. You may not know the answer, but you may know the answer. What's up with the wigs uh, in British? Because they all still wear them. Like, it, the, even now, or, or and in Canada, they wear those, like, white wig this, thing. This comes from the Middle Ages, um, and um, it is supposed to uh, remove, if you will, the personable identity of the lawyers um, so that all will look the same, right? Is that why they all wear matching Roby type yes, things too? Yes, yep, yep, yep Oh, yep. okay, yep. so it's so it's so basically, it's, it doesn't matter who's defending or who's mm -hmm. prosecuting. The individual lawyer doesn't matter. So it doesn't yeah. matter if you go out and hire Alan Dershowitz. Yes. Right. It, like a super well-known well lawyer. lawyer. Okay. That doesn't matter to the court. The court yes. is all. So, yeah. The focus should be on the oh. substance and not necessarily the individuals. Yep. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. So if you had a couture show and you dressed all the models exactly the same, <laughs> basically that's what you're talking about. Okay. Got it. Yep. I just wondered about that yep. because it's a it's a legit thing. They still all wear the wigs. Oh. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if the United States, because we are a, a country based in part on flamboyance, um, <clears throat> that should have been one of our founding principles. Right. If, yeah, if that's either. why we don't have that system, why we yeah. have some people come to the court wearing you know five thousand dollar Brooks Brothers ties with their ten thousand dollar suits. I've interacted with enough judges to where they would, per, if they had their druthers, there would be dress codes for all the attorneys. <laughs> and it would all be low key. Everybody here has to wear black. 
Nobody you know, here gets to wear, you know, yeah, uh, 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 anything it, flamboyant, yeah. anything. Well, in, 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 if I mean, you think you remember of, Johnny Cochran with all his jewelry and all his big flashy suits and all his, yes, I mean, he was, I mean, he made a presence in the courtroom. But if you think about it, pretty much in every jurisdiction in the United States, judges have to wear a basic outfit. That's true. They wear a robe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so okay. we've just gotten rid of the wig. Yeah, um, but I mean, probably because they were itchy and hot. I mean, most of the judges I've talked to were just like, they want a dress code because they don't want the the focus to be on, um, uh, you know, on the, the lawyer the, and what they're wearing, wearing and the yes. defendant and what they're wearing. Wearing, yes. Okay. Uh, and there is, by the way, a side note before we go away from this. Um, I don't know if they do this in Britain, but they do this in the United States. Very few defendants in the United States, when they appear before a jury, appear in orange jumpsuits. That's right. They are given regular clothes. Yeah, they're they are. They're bring. They're brought into the courtroom in handcuffs, but then those are taken off before the jury comes in. Yes. So that the jury does not see this person as a prisoner, because they don't want that to set in their mind. Oh well, they're already guilty. Yes. Yep. Right. They're trying to, again, part of the system of trying to make it as fair as possible. Yeah. You you don't want the jury to prejudge simply based on their appearance. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's complicated, isn't it? Much of the law is, um, which probably explains a large chunk of my fascination um, and why, you know, you know, uh, I, I, I love teaching it so much. Um, but yes. and to all the lawyers out there, start with the Romans and work your way forward. And good luck <laughs> yeah. with that. Yes. <laughs> and for Thanks, you, and for you budding attorneys, um, uh, uh, become well versed um, in Civ Pro and Crim Pro, <laughs> and, and get used to the idea that you will never stop reading enormous amounts of material. You know how Augie gave you like fifty pages this week in your class? Nothing, nothing compared to what you will be reading. Uh, and, and, and by the you way, you need to get comfortable with the idea that you're going to read for the rest of your life. By the way, um, for any of our listeners who go to law school and graduate and wonder why it is a very uh, a customary gift for law school graduates to receive a bound copy of Blackstone's commentaries, uh, today's episode hopefully explains why that may be the case. <laughs> and if you're one of our regular listeners and you're graduating from law school let us know email us because that's exciting and we want to celebrate you yeah yes we do but anyways thank you nia thank you augie you've been listening to civil discourse brought to you by vcu libraries Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU libraries. Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.